Good evening, everybody. Ethics in the modern world. Ethics is a big issue. Everybody is very concerned, and rightly so. But on the other hand, we have a lot of, uh, I don't know, misunderstanding, difficulties, or something. What do we mean really ethics? Um, this is very concerned and very important one's life. But on the other hand, this interpretation of the ethics is a very, very big deal. I try to say being true to one's commitment. And uh, that is quite an important. Otherwise, we have a lot of a lot of things. I mean, there are some people think ethics is not important, which is not right. Which is absolutely not right. The ethics is extremely important. And no one would, would like to be unethical about it. But on the other hand, the moment we say ethics, number of times people will sort of immediately intend to look into some kind of a sexual orientations or, or something, you know. Something, I mean, we had this drama of uh, during the Clinton administration period, you know, for years, <laughs> almost years, we've been hearing Monica all the time, you know. Every day, the moment you turn on television, it has something to do with Monica Lewinsky business. And, um, and, and we consider that as an ethics. I'm not saying it's not an ethics issue. It is. But it's just not that much worth for us to spend that much time and the pork and tremendous amount of the energy we put on this. And that is, I'm sure you all agree, it is just unnecessary. The dharma, they put it up for whatever the reason is. But on the other hand, ethics is extremely important. And at that time, remember, that some people even wrote about books in 10 days called Ethics of America. So, <laughs> so all of those are very, very interesting things. And also, and we are overly stuck in certain things. Um, the, this Monica Lewinsky business is a very correct example. We really sort of overly indulge and spend a lot of time looking in that. But on the other hand, we also ignore tremendous amount of important ethical issues. Now, for example, there's a tremendous scientific developments come up in this period. And then none of them were not really carefully looking in the ethical issues. For example, you know, I'm very clear with the, this. I'm not criticizing. I think it's a great thing that happened. Uh, that, uh, you know, sort of we know uh, with the genome project, how our genes work, and what has that happened. And I'm not saying that's bad. And that is a very good thing it happens, because it can get, can get a lot of help. A lot of help can get. I mean, even me, I'm a diabetic, so, and even then we can get help too. I may be able to get help too. So I'm not saying that's the wrong thing. It's a great thing. But however, and there's a lot of a lot of ethical issues also involved in this. 
you know, now it is almost time that we can almost produce a human being out of a laboratory or bottle. And uh, you know, all these things, when we are busy looking to Lewinsky business, and all of those developed during that period. And uh, in that moment, and that's a tremendous important ethical issue was involved. For example, for example, with this genome project, it is almost we can produce a human being out of a laboratory. A perfect race of human beings. Whatever, you know, whatever the size you want. Six foot tall or six foot two inch or whatever, you can make that. And uh, of course, uh, total Caucasian is maybe too white. So let us put a um, couple of, uh, you know, African-American genes in it, couple of drops in it. And so nice, uh, nice uh, white uh, brown guy can be produced, you know. Uh, and uh, you know, I keep on thinking, can't help it. You look at this uh, tiger wood, and you look at him and say, you look great. And let's get a couple drop of Asian blood in it too. So, you know, whatever may be, you know, you can really uh, produce a, a perfect human being who does not really have genes that creates diabetes or creates all these illnesses. And that production is nothing wrong. It is, uh, it is for me, if you produce it, a guy, it's a fine, wonderful, we can put him in the museum and they give him a room and board in there, and the public can pay him, and we can look at him and all that, provided if he stays in there. That's not the issue. But the, to, in my mind, the issue lies is if you produce so many of them, and so many of them, as the consequences of that, you, can, you will have two types of human races. The races that is the perfect one, of human beings and the races that imperfect human beings, such as ourselves. And then, you know, it is my fear is exactly what we see in the science fiction movies. Today's science fiction is tomorrow's reality. So a number of times, I keep on seeing for the last couple of years, you know, all this Star Trek and all this exploration goes, and there's a two types of human races comes up, and the, some are the perfect ones with the uniform lives in the house and all that, and there's an imperfect human beings buried rather hidden under the ground somewhere. They see old crooked, and you know all of those. Um, those it, it, if that happens, this is really a big important ethical issue. And uh, we intend to, you know, sort of excite it with uh, some political reason, some whatever the reason is. They want to get at Clinton or whatever. So we completely get overly, almost have an obsession to looking on that matter and completely slips through right under our nose all these developments. It's not that a scientist does not want it to have ethical issues. And I know a couple of them.
and they all really wanted to know ethically what is right and what is wrong and what can they do. I always think this scientist who's wearing this little white overcoat, <laughs> whatever that is, they wear and walks around all the time and making decisions about our future. 25 years from now, what will be our life will be. They keep on making decisions. And minute by minute, they're making those decisions. And they, they don't want to ignore the ethics, but they don't know anything about it. And I keep on thinking, as a spiritualist, it is our duty and it's our moral obligation for them to know those, you know, really tell them and what are our fears and what can it go wrong. Mind you, if you have two different types of human races, and it's just, that's not going to be great. You may produce a perfect human race, but what, what about those then imperfect human beings who've been there ever since? What will that happen to them? And these are, these, this is just giving you one example. And I think there's a tremendous amount of other ethical issues. So these things we cannot ignore and we really have to look into it. And particularly as a spiritualist, and we really, if we don't care, if we don't pay attention, if we do not involve, who else will? No one else will. We don't want the ethics comes out of a government and tells us you can do this and you cannot do this. We certainly don't want. The government is not an ethical, whatever it is. I, mean, I don't mean the government is not ethical, but they're not an ethical boss. It's not. It is, ethics is an individual matter for ourselves. And, uh, and I think that's a very important point. Ethical, we must look individually as well as our own concern is not a government's job. And um, I'm sorry, but do you know, it's my, I'm a little stupid, naive person. And I keep on thinking, you know, and um, I'm just share with you, maybe it's a politically incorrect to say. But uh, when, you know, during the Clinton thing, Loyen Lewinsky thing, every time I hear that, I keep on thinking, we have elected Clinton to be a president of the United States, not the Pope of America. <laughs> so that I keep on thinking myself. I'm sorry, this it just came out of my mouth because I could never say it. It's politically incorrect. I know for sure, but <laughs> but 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 it's a reality. It's really so. So you know that's what happens. And what really happened is, you know, the ethical thing is an individual issue. And we are all, every one of us, individually have to observe our ethical thing. We have to make it correct ourselves. It is very easy to look at somebody else and to say, hey, how wrong you are. But we never see ourselves. I might as well as share here interesting story what had happened during the Buddha's lifetime. Actually, not this Buddha's lifetime, a previous Buddha's lifetime. So since I'm from the background of reincarnation, you hear sometimes funny stories. <laughs> from the previous Buddha lifetime, 
What happened is a king who was sponsoring Buddha at that time, not this Shakyamuni Buddha, what do we talk about, the Buddha born in India, before that. And this is a present official Buddha. Before that, there's another official Buddha. There are like four before this one, even in this year. The third one, third period, a king had a funny dream. He had constantly, continuously having a month-long funny dream. Whenever he goes to sleep, the dream continues. And uh, whenever he wakes up, it stops. And then they, whenever he goes to bed, the next day, the dream continues. There are so many of them. And one of them, he's, he dreamed there's a number of monkeys are fighting among themselves. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, while fighting themselves, a couple of monkeys fall in a huge ditch where they, it's not so clean area. <laughs> and uh, are stuck in there and got everything on body completely and be able to cross to the other side. And this side, one monkey was fighting something and dipped his tail in the dirty area and stick certain thing at his, uh, on his tail. The other monkeys started looking at him, laid by that monkey who had everything on his complete body, and pointing to that monkey and saying, oh, there is unclean stuff on the tail of that monkey, and started laughing at this other monkey. But actually, he himself was completely soaked in the, you know what I mean, you know, so, so but the, the other one has a little thing on the tail. And so the king, and all these dreams, you know, this king couldn't figure out, finally went to that Buddha and saying, I had this funny, funny dream, and what is all this? And then that Buddha at that time, so this has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with me, not even to do anything in our period at all. It is in the future when the Shakyamuni Buddha is in life and when he comes and gives his official period and uh, he said some of the people who admire, actually, actually the, the friends of the Shakyamuni Buddha and um, they will have, some of them will have they themselves become completely, absolutely dirty, but they don't see themselves. They will see the other one who has a little thing on the tail, and they will make fun of that little one. And you forgot that you yourself are completely dirty. And they're referring to our time and this time. So, you know, I was laughing myself during the, whenever we see the Luensiki period. <laughs> I was laughing myself, you know. So we have that problem constantly. Remember what had happened, even in this uh, House of Representatives and all of those. Anyway, so so that is just uh, unnecessary thing I've shared with you. But the but the but the, the necessary part is the morality is individual concern, and as an individual concern, whether you are morally right or wrong is your own concern. And uh, you have to be right by yourself. And uh, it is not anyone to judge to anybody whether you are morally right or wrong. It is yourself. But on what you judge is actually, truly, according to the Buddha, what you judge is keeping your own commitment, whatever your vows and your commitment, and keeping that intact will be 
the issue of moral and the immoral basis of that rather than anything else, which we always love to, you know, look at and love to attack people on the issue of a moral issue. And whoever's attacking is normally, it is their funniest person. You know, can I share something funny here? Though it's a recorded. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say it anyway. You know, my <laughs> good friend, Lady Allen Ginsberg, always tells me, you know, that uh, the FBI director at that time, Hoover or something, and the whole Hoover, and he said, Hoover is gay guy. And uh, they never wanted to know because everywhere he pointed out people is a gay guy, he said. But he himself is gay. So that was the example during the history, um, according to the Allen. So anyway, that was the, the point. So people, you know, don't like to see what's wrong with them. And they like to point it out. I don't mean the gay is wrong. You know, really, what I mean is, is well, they judge it according to that, but they, 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 he has his own problems, and uh, if it's a problem. But, uh, you know, that's what he points finger to the other people. So we shouldn't do that. And that is immoral. That is wrong, ethically. Ethically. Really true. And uh, these are important points. And uh, another, one most important thing is, Again, I say, ethical is one has to judge oneself, not others. And the basis of which is, uh, is whatever your moral commitment, if you are keeping that, and then you are okay. If you are not keeping that, you are wrong. Otherwise, it's very hard to say which is right and which is wrong. Because no one could really say what is right and what is wrong. Even Buddha has said, People should not judge people because he said, unless you are totally enlightened, you can make a judgment of other person. And I, if you are not totally enlightened, you cannot make a judgment of other person because you don't know it. And they may have more reasons, more important reasons, and they may have more values. And uh, some of your values might not be their values. And uh, maybe you're wrong. So you can never judge others. And the Buddha's advice is to never judge others. And we are very good at judging to the other people. We always do. So we should not be quick to judging the other person. We should be judging ourselves first. According to the Dharma, Dharma or the Buddha Dharma, the Dharma should be used as a mirror to get a reflection of your own. And, uh, and uh, it is the you yourself will see your faults. And you yourself, when you see your faults, when you are convinced it is fault, then you make a change. And that is Dharma. But no one else should tell you what is wrong with you. That is nobody's business unless unless you ask for it <laughs> honestly you know if you ask for it and then you know you get it then that's a different 
in my opinion. Don't you agree? If you ask for it, yeah, you get it. Then that's it. that's that. But if it, otherwise, it's not. And uh, you know, dharma really means correcting our own our own actions. You know, the word I keep on talking to you. Dharma word dharma really translated into Tibetan as a chur, which means corrected. What you corrected is you corrected your addictions. Addictions to anger, to hatred, obsessions. Corrected those. And those are truly not right, morally wrong. Hatred is very immoral. Obsession is immoral. They are immoral. True immoral is, uh, you know, hatred. And not only creates trouble for ourselves, but also for the others, a lot of other people. And, uh, you know, making a judgment of creating a tremendous suffering for tremendous amount of people, to me, it is morally incorrect. Maybe I'm the stupid one, I'm the only one who thinks that way, maybe, but to me it is immoral because not only letting yourself down, but also you're letting a lot of people down, creating a tremendous suffering for people, and that is morally wrong. At least there's the basis of what you make a judgment. You are creating a suffering. We have enough suffering, enough problem as a human beings. We are wonderful, but at the same time, we have a lot of problems. We don't need any additional problem. As a duty of a human being, we should generate compassion, love, and care for the people. And uh, try to bring joy and happiness to the people. But uh, on the contrary, if you bring suffering, and that is morally wrong. One of the reasons why you can't kill anybody, because it's morally wrong. You hurt people. It's morally wrong. Obsession is morally wrong. Creating a suffering to the others. I mean, like you have no right to create suffering for the others. So, but we do. We always do. And these are moral issues to me. The honestly, it's a much more moral issue than whatever. So the ethical is a so important point. We have to be very Really, but again, we have to think what is really ethical really mean. As I mentioned to you, the scientific issues, the scientific developments, we have a tremendous ethical issue. Tremendous. Even look at this uh, development of uh, atomic power. And when they found the atomic power, and if we use those, for a development purposes and the well-being purposes, how wonderful the atomic power is. But what we did, we made a bomb out of it. And to me, 
I don't think it's ethically right, though the whole total country accept that. But I don't think it's ethically right, to me personally. Because such a great mind of a human being, like in this case, in Einstein, the mind could discover tremendous amount of value to, to bring a joy, happiness, and the well-being of the people. But we make use that, we use that to bring the suffering instead of saving a life made into losing a life. Instead of developing, it made into destruction. destruction. I think that is moral at all. But no one talk about it. Because it's sort of covered under the what you call that, under the development or whatever it is, you know. And so these are the issues we have to think about. And then individually, individually it is our thoughts, our motivations, and our actions. And our actions, it's always we have to think about it. If I do this, what will that have effects and consequences to the other person? person around with you and the person who are dealing with you, you can always have to think that. That's what the Buddha's message is all about. You think you can't do this, you know, well, I'm okay, whatever. Whatever's happened to you, I don't care. I'm okay. That's morally ethical at all. Morally ethical, if I do this, what will that have effect to the other person who are connected with me, who are looking at, particularly teachers, particularly the spiritual teachers, really have a very strong obligation on the other person that are looking at you, at least seeing you as, a, if not as a teacher or master, or but, but as sort of role model. And it is important for them to have that obligation of my action, what will that have effect for the person who are looking at me, who are observing me, who are admiring me, who are following me, who are my students, and all this, we have to be very careful. It is a very heavy burden, but however, it is the moral issue that we have to be carefully concerned. Even parents have that moral obligation towards us because you are moral role, a sort of role model for children. And if you're going to teach your own twisted behavior always to the children, and then you're doing a disservice for the children. But if you're teaching the children nice kind of, even you're not, at least you try to show them, it's morally correct. It's not for me to judge, but it's for yourself to judge. Again, I repeat, no one should judge anyone on this. This is a very sophisticated issue, complicated issue. I don't want to bring uh, such a funny thing what in uh, some traditions, including Buddhist tradition, there's something called crazy wisdom behaviors. Crazy wisdom behaviors are not applicable to anyone unless you're really crazy. <laughs> <laughs>
So it's really, I mean, it is a big issue and a very important issue. And there's a lot of contradictory issues also. Very, very, very important contradictory issues. And the debate originally it is haunted with this question for really for centuries for the debate has been haunted with this. And this question is now becoming relevant even in America. And uh, this always, you know I mean, I don't have to look and say, I'm not finger pointing, but what had happened in the Catholic Church and what the people are going through is this very big example. And when you really look at it, any other tradition, not only the Catholic, everybody have that problem. Everybody, including Tibetan Buddhism, have that same problem. It's not a problem free. It is issue there. And it's a very, I mean, when the news media talk about it, about that thing, this thing, and we can look at it and laugh, but that's not the point. The point is we're all very much involved in it. And the Tibet was haunted for centuries, you know, with particularly this Bajarayana point and uh, Sutrayana point of the issues there, really. And, uh, it is becoming relevant even in the West. I just last week, last Friday night, I was having a dinner in upstate New York uh, with a group of people, and particularly a good old friend of mine, a great scholar called Gene Smith. And the Gene was telling me, hey, you have to organize a conference talking about this. And I said, why? He said, but don't you think it is a very important, relevant issue for the, for the Buddhist and the non-Buddhist and the, the people who are admiring uh, the Tibetan tradition, as well as the Buddhist teachings? And I said, it is definitely important. So he said, well, you should really have a conference. It's not that we can make a decision on that, but at least we raise important points and let the people make a decision by themselves. It's a very relevant point, and I thought it was really important we should do that. And so the ethical issue is extremely important in general, in society, and individual. But what is our really concern is we also must look at our own personal ethical issues by ourselves. Don't let anybody else judge but ourselves. And the way and how we do is your own commitments, your own vows, commitments. Are we breaking our vow? Are we breaking, am I, not are we, am I breaking my vow? Am I breaking my commitment? And I think that is a very important point all the time. If you have a wrong vows, forget it. But as long as you have the right vows, and then it is an issue. People have different vows. Buddhists have sometimes refuge vows, Vajrayana vows, and um, Bodhisattva vows. Yeah. Uh, for, for example, if you have a Bodhisattva vow, and if you have a narrow selfish interest too much, it breaks the Bodhisattva vows. And uh, if you have a Vajrayana vows, and the certain points, and you break Vajrayana vows. And if you have a general vows, 
refrigerant bowels, sudden point breaks of refrigerant bowels. And all these are becoming ethical issues for us. We have to judge by ourselves. Even you don't have any vow, people have marriage vows, people have your personal vows. And all these personal vows are vowed, a valid vow. And you are not forced by anybody else to make that vow, and we make voluntarily to the vow. And when you're breaking your own vow, that's breaking your own commitment. And that is the breaking your own morality. So, that's my understanding of morality. And uh, uh, the entertainment has been made by out of moral issues, you know, like the Lewinsky issue and all of those are entertainment to me. It is uh, whatever, political things, I'm sure there's a lot of political issues, but I don't want to talk about it. And I wanted to see if it's good entertainment. They entertained us for at least a year or so. Uh, so that's what happened. So there are not really, that's not a moral issue. The real moral issue is much more than that. And uh, so we have to really know what it is. It's uh, something we all have to think, people to think. But so far, a lot of people are thinking in one certain single point something, but that might not be the only thing. That's what I'm saying. That might be not be the only thing. You may have to look much more than that, much over. I really think even the our developments of you know the time developments of you know even the even there's a different between the 20th century moral issues and the 21st century moral issues, I think there's a difference. There's a, there's a lot of a difference. So, so all of those, and we have a lot of overlooked from the right from the beginning of the development of the atomic power and the making that into bomb onwards. And we have really overlooked so many important moral issues, yet we overly, almost obsessed in certain issues. So I think these are the, I have nothing else to add up and tell you this is right and this is wrong because I'm not an authority and I can simply remind actually myself and the saying, hey, these are the points that we have to think about it. And uh, actually, every day, whatever we do, we have to raise a question to ourselves, is this correct? Morally, is it correct? Ethically, is it correct for me to do this and that? And that awareness, we should have it all the time. And I think it's just important. And when you don't have any awareness, when you come on me, and we have a tremendous awareness when it comes on somebody else, and that is not correct. And I think it's morally wrong. And again, as I said, I'm not a judge. And, uh, and no one can really judge on anyone else except ourselves. And truly, you have to be judged for yourself. 
with the perfect knowledge, understanding. If you have it, if you don't have it, and at least you are past judgment, and you are past judgment, whether it's correct or not correct, of our own actions. And that is important for me. And that is how we make improvement ourselves, morally, ethically. Which is very, very important issue. We cannot say, hey, to hell with that. We cannot said it. It is very important. I really don't have much to say on this. So if you have any questions, I'll be happy to have a dialogue for three or four questions. I'm just thinking, Rinpoche, about the point with Buddha saying, like, if you're not, he said, only if you're fully enlightened do you have the capacity or whatever to judge others. And if not, you definitely shouldn't judge others. And you know, I think I definitely agree with that. I think that sounds correct. But it makes me think if you kind of hold too tightly to that, then you can be susceptible to like Jim Jones' line of thinking. And, and we can say, well, maybe we're not making a judgment or a criticism or something when you see that. But if you're just saying, well, that's okay, but it's not okay, it's almost like a double-edged sword. Well, first, thank you for agreeing what the Buddha said. Second point, judging others and judging self, and I really think it's a two different thing. But on the other hand, Jim Jones is commonly known what he did is wrong. And I think, you know, Everybody will know it was wrong. You cannot afford to have such a thing happen and lose so many lives. You can, I mean, for me, uh, that judgment is nothing wrong by saying it's wrong. And also, like, you know, not only the Jim Jones, but the Heaven's Gate, remember? And all of them, uh, I think it is wrong. But again, in my mind, they like the question of that David crash. And that is a big question in my mind. I'm not sure who's right, who's wrong. I don't know yet. Really, a lot of people died there, you know, but I don't know who's wrong, who's right. I don't know, personally. But Jim Jones is definitely wrong. As a mislead, a tremendous amount of people losing their lives. That's what's wrong. Jim Jones, we can say, is really wrong. But again, in my mind, David Crash is always there's a question, who's right, who's telling what truth. You never know. So you can't make any judgment, because we never know who did what. What was really, who really did what. I mean, nobody knows. But the most safest, the most important for us to judge ourselves. And that way, what I'm doing, is if everybody does it, my action, what will that have effect to the others? If they think that, we won't be in this mess, honestly. Uh, when you were living in uh, Tibet, and then the Chinese communists took off, uh, took over, you took off. And I've been you, kicked out. <laughs> were, you, were you judging them, the Chinese communists? Uh, no, I'm running away from my life, <laughs> honestly. I'm running away from my life. But then when you got through running and all that, you Running away for my life, I didn't say. I understand that. Yeah. But I'm... 
you do have a judgment on them. That well, the, you know, when you see uh, people, they are killing everybody for nothing. And, uh, and if you sit there and they say, well, I'll be all right, it's, I, I call that naive. Why didn't the Tibetan religion, uh, the Buddhist religion, have a, present, a preventative measure so the communists couldn't do that to the Tibetans? Don't you think you were lax in your religion? Nah. No? There wasn't anything you could do to prevent that from happening? Well, the choice is if you pick up the arms and kill a lot of people, or you run away. And I think the, 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 the Tibetans at that time made the right choice. I still think they made the right choice. Because they didn't kill anybody, they just left. Well, they ran away. Yeah. They don't get themselves killed. And they ran away. But a lot of people left behind, they got killed too. Mm -hmm. But those of us who ran away, we ran away. Well, we ran what? away for our <laughs> life. I was thinking, like in World War II, when we joined the Allies and went over Very to fight, important issue to fight the, the war, they were, we were told they had to fight. Um, we could have easily took off and gone someplace else and just left it and let them take Actually, we can't go anywhere else. This world is so much so. The World War II situation is different you know, than the Tibetan-Chinese issue. Tibetan Chinese communist issue is, you know, you can run away from Tibet and get into India and we think you are safe. But at least the World War II issue is, uh, is you can't run away. That thing can come all, all over the place. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, it is an issue. But again, people made a moral judgment, people made a correct, it's all fine anti-Semitism and all of them are wrong. But still, even today, we did not get rid of the dictators. The Hitler's gone, we finished everything. That's nice, at least. But it didn't kill, did not finish all these enemies either. We continuously have a continuous dictators, terrorists, and we still, today, even today, we've been saying we have to kill the terrorists. We may have to kill terrorists, but somehow you should really know it never changes by violent actions. How can you change? How can you change human beings' thoughts and minds by a violence? It's never possible. It can only be possible if you can talk to a person, if you can bring kindness, if you bring love, and if you bring caring to people, the thoughts and ideas of the human beings change internally, never by force. I mean, forces does. You know, what, 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 what did we get? We went into Afghanistan, we made all whatever it is, good or mass or whatever. We did that internationally. We did that, and what do we still have? Still this morning's news, right? So we still have this killing continue. What did we do without international? Went into Iraq. And what do we have? We have that those nice UN guy who's trying to help and those gone. And all of those. And these things, honestly speaking, it never changes through violence. 
It is the human thought. We can force them, twist the arm, and make them do this and that for a while. But human mind is human mind. They never change that way. It will only change internally. How difficult to change our own mind. Even for our own good, it takes time. It builds up. It takes time. So it is truly the violence is not the answer for that. I mean, that I can really strongly say. Very valuable reasons, convincing reasons. That's really, it is temporary. Temporarily we could do. We could make a huge distortion and make them not able to make it, do anything. For a while, but they continue. Even their children doesn't continue, but their raises, their thoughts, you know. Human race is such that you cannot raise one race out of the, out of the human registration. It's never possible. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Um, I think most of us are faced every day with um, more subtle decisions than choosing between right and wrong. That there are shades of gray between. Uh, I myself was in a situation a few weeks ago where none of the alternatives were something that I personally considered ethical, yet I had to make a decision. <laughs> uh, how do you deal with a situation like that? I wish I know. I don't. We face that lot. And uh, when you come to that level, what I do is I try to, to balance between these two. If you have to make one decision, so they try to make a balance what the best you could. To honest, to be true to yourself, to be true to your duty, to be true to yourself, and there you have to make the decision. Sometimes we are forced to make that decision. Even those people who are creating a war, and I don't like them, but again, they think they're doing the best for them and for the country. They don't think I want to hurt America so I create a war. I don't think they think that. But it's a wrong decision. And it's created a lot of difficulties. So what it really meant is we have to think to be true to ourselves, to be true to our own self and to be true to your own duty and to make the best you could. And that's what we got to do. Because this is human limitation our limitation. If we have a clan void and we see the future and we know everything great, then we can make the right decision. But we cannot. Besides, right and wrong is very important, but very difficult. I mean, very, very vividly for me, what is right for the Tibetans is wrong for Chinese communism. And what is right for the Chinese communism is wrong for the Tibetans. So where are you going to judge it? So we face these problems. It's not a problem free. But we have to make our best. And our most important, we have to make sure we don't hurt people, especially innocent people. If we are forced to hurt people, the minimum, the minimum. I don't know how widespread it is now, but scientists are saying that we can be ethics or right is becoming genetically so. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know how widespread that is yet, that we will be out of our conscious control, we will be genetically guided beyond our conscious control. And another thing is the questions that science asks, can it be done? Is it possible? Let's do it. And spirituality asks, is it healthy? Is it wholesome? 
uh, is it good? So those are two different approaches that uh, outlines how one will produce what one produces. Maybe, maybe not. It's a funny thing, you know, I was attending a conference organized by America Online and uh, a group of people, particularly a very top scientist who are working on the artificial intelligence and the head of IBM and all of those. The theme of the conference is, will there be or can there be artificial intelligence? So they are the top, top guys who is on artificial intelligence, is there, sitting next to me. When the ALO, American Online Representative, when he introduced, he had a little pager type of thing he's carrying. And he says, this is future. You know, he's keep on telling us this is future because this will talk to you, you can talk to him back, you can write, you can have your emails, and you can have everything, send back and forth, as well about credit card size. And they're saying, this is future, this is future. This is future, this is future. That's what he's keep on saying. And the guy next to me, I've been introduced as Professor Ray Caswell. And so he was uh, telling me, whispering me, what the guy is talking about. It. He says, we're going to have total computer in your eyeglasses by next year. The total computer will go in your eyeglasses. You can see, read everything, and everything is just on glass. Everything is there. What are you talking about this in future? I mean, he just whispered me. And then the question really came, and uh, whether there can be artificial intelligence. My answer is yes, there can be. And the reason uh, why there be artificial intelligence, because my reason is when the conditions are right, things will materialize. When the Professor Ray Kazawa's thinking, he can capture a consciousness from somewhere and put in them in computer and make it artificially work. So what we're disagreeing is whether he's going to capture a consciousness and make it artificially valuable, or my point is when the conditions right, consciousness itself will enter in that by a consciousness, whoever's consciousness, you know. But I would love to joke with the Professor Caswell saying, your reincarnation will be the computer, but <laughs> I didn't get that. But that's, that's the point. And the point what I'm presenting at that moment, and uh, at the end of that, both of those, the top scientists, they all keep on saying exactly what I said is the ancient wisdom. However, he said, we made a decision go away from them because it is the religion's decision. And we made a conscious decision to go away from that, try to follow the facts. And by following the facts, now force us to make it 180 degree turn around and follow you. That's the top American scientist stated. Follow you, you lost me there. Following the religion's yeah. tradition now. Yeah, because the force, the facts will force us to follow the thing here. So which really means a very exciting time. The time that the scientific result and the religion's traditions will going to join together. The facts will be truth, will be truth. It will prevail. Prevail 
with the scientific findings and the religion's teachings will come together. They're already together. There are three approaches. One is complete scientific. The other one is scientism. Scientism says uh, we could do this, but is, will it help the human race? Is it ethical? And the religious is exclusive. So the three are already present there. It depends on which one we're in. The scientism that takes in ethics, takes in love, and takes in all those, and combine it with discovery. The scientists that say, I don't want to deal with these emotional things. All I'm going to deal with is the five senses. That's all I'm interested in. <laughs> and the other one, religion says, we don't want that. Some excluding. And they say, we only want this. We don't exclude that. So the three are already there. And the world is functioning on those three right now. Great. And also, there will be the scientists who will say, I would like to care the emotional issues. The religions will say, we have to care the truth and facts. And that will come together, too, sir. Thank you. Well, I think it was probably fortunate that you ran away because we have you here. Um, <laughs> I, I'm having a little trouble with the, um, the judgment thing. I think there's a difference between witnessing something and seeing it as it is and judging it. But then at the same time, if we don't judge, then people aren't trying to improve things for other people. But there's something about the word judgment that you think of as being a negative thing, no matter who does it. Like, if you're enlightened, would you be judging? Yeah, you're really true. This is a very it's important. It's like you witness something. Oh. You're, you, you know, a lot of times when you say to somebody, I see what you're doing, and they'll say, oh, I'm just your mirror. It must be you. But I think there's a point where you reach in your consciousness where you can objectively observe a wrong and see it as it is without that negative thing about judgment. In other words, that would be the thing that inspires positive action. You're right. When you see someone's doing something wrong with the kids or someone try to rape someone and you just cannot say, I'm not to judge, you have to stop and you have to do whatever you can. You have to stop. I don't mean that, that from that angle. What I really mean is, you know, we will make a judgment of this is a good person, this is a bad person, and without valid reason. And that judgment is really wrong. On the other hand, it's also true we cannot judge anybody else except if you are judged. You know, the truth is what the scientists are doing, they try to find real truth and the best ever possible. What does the religions do? Bring the best possible for the human being. So ultimately, they have to come together. I mean, they go separately. They went for so many years, but they come together too. And they have to come together. And also, some spiritualist people will have also the attitude and say, oh, that's a scientific thing. Let's not even bother about it. And uh, the scientists also say that the religions believe that we, are not, we cannot entertain. And I think all of them are wrong. I mean, actually, I also think we're in a very exciting period. Some very difficult points of the religion's point are to be able to understand better today that the scientists help been tremendous. In my personal cases, you know, a Buddhist traditions will tell you the space is such a thing that you can fill it tremendously. In a space like this, you can have a zillion different universes on that. 
And uh, when you first read it, you think, oh, God, what the, are those really crazy people? But uh, when you know the computer, when you're looking at the computer and there's such a small space, how much thing you can save? And it tells you. And it helps. And uh, the famous the Buddhist theory of emptiness is uh, very well understand, understand much better by the Einstein's development of relativity. The development of the theory of relativity really explains what is Buddha's emptiness is all about it. And it is really funny, but it's a very exciting time. Extremely exciting time. It's never been before like this. You know, really, it is the point where the spiritual traditions and what the tradition people, like Buddha, like Jesus, and whatever they've been telling, something beyond our comprehension is now scientifically, they bring him together. In a way, you know, according to a lot of traditions, we are supposed to be degenerated age. However, very exciting time. So with this, I would like to thank you, everybody. Wonderful to be able to share what little I know with you people, and I hope uh, whatever I presented will be helpful to you all. Whenever we sit here, we talk about it, we create some positive deeds, and we dedicate those positive deeds are for the benefit of all beings, and particularly those who get killed because of those unfortunate conditions everywhere, in Iraq, in Middle East, Africa, and uh, that is unfortunate natural thing, and uh, man-made things in the Middle East, and uh, even in Afghanistan and everywhere. And all these people are suffering so much. I don't understand why, you know, really. And if you read what President Carter put it out, how many wars in the, in this today in this world? Tremendous. So all of those. And the natural suffering is at least to have a justification. The man-made sufferings have no justification for whatsoever. If somebody's ego, somebody's power hungry, it's try to grab, you, you label someone as the rebels in, in Africa, and someone is the government one. But who is rebel, who is government, or who knows? So everybody is trying to grab power and make the innocent people, men, women, and children, suffer tremendously. So we dedicate all our positive deeds. Even we can't do like what the Buddha says for benefit of all beings, but for the benefit of those who are suffering. And uh, really, suffering, suffering there. So for their benefit, to kindly dedicate from our bottom of the heart, whatever the needs of there, it may materialize in that form. And that's what we should do actually every day, every night. If you could do that, it would be very helpful. But at least together today, thank you.